0: It is officially game week here in Iowa. The Iowa Hawkeyes getting back on the horse, as they say, with South Dakota State coming to town here on September 3rd. Your schedule breakdown game-by-game game predictions from myself, a couple of buddies of mine that uh, have been doing this annual show for a number of years. Plus, we'll look at the roster position by position. Break it all down for you during week 201. Brad is branded thoughts. This is from the Hawkeye of the storm. You may have heard of the real-life Hawkeye man cave known as Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Well, after lots of hard work, there's not much space left to paint. But the walls are exploding out for public consumption. Under the Kitchen is proud to announce that you can now purchase exclusive prints of some of your favorite Hawkeye legends, including wrestling great Spencer Lee, football players Tyler Goodson, Riley Moss, and Drew Tate, Plus, in all-in-one Murray Family Legacy print featuring Keegan, Chris, and Kenyon Murray himself. Signed and unsigned prints are available, making the perfect collectible or gift for any Hawkeye enthusiast. For more information on purchasing one of these outstanding Hawkeye prints, visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook. That's Under the Kitchen on Facebook. Week 201 of Brada's Branded Thoughts. It's been a year since these guys were on the show with me. I want to warn everybody before we get into the show. Ain't nobody claiming to be, well, I'd like to think that I'm some degree of an expert on my good days. Uh, You made it very clear. Both of you made it very clear. You're not claiming to be experts. You're here because we've been doing this show for like 10 years.
1: I watch the games. That's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you're you're a big fan of this show, I'm pre-warning you now. All right. I hope you get breakdown almost any other day when you watch this channel on YouTube. I can assure you, you're not going to get the full fixing this evening. But I'm going to try to do my best. But uh, I I figured maybe we should flash back to last year because we can all take joy and humor in this. Here is a uh, comment from a a listener, Ken Hansmeyer, And I'm going to have... I'm going to have Noah read this to our audience. Noah, would uh, you do the honors.
2: Okay. Um, guy in the top right is a great voice and setup guy. The experts he throws softball to are striking out.
0: So, I, I, listen, I'm not going to say who the guy in the top right was. Or the experts that were striking out, but we all found some humor in.
2: I mean, I, I think we all know who's who.
0: He said it initially. I I commented back to him. I said, "I, I got to tell you, I laughed my tail off when I." Heard this. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny. I did a great show in it. So we are going to talk depth chart. Now we're not going. We're recording this on Saturday, August twenty seventh. Expect the podcast to drop. Um likely either sunday or monday uh so this the, my understanding is that the official game week depth charts will be released by the university of iowa monday so we're not going to be looking at the depth chart from a perspective of okay this guy's one this guy's two we're looking at depth purely at depth and we'll give some insight as far as uh, news and notes that have changed over the or, or i should say positions that have changed guys that i one guy who i don't believe is going to be uh, a part of fall football for Iowa uh, that's on the de- the preseason depth chart and whatnot. So we'll go through some of those changes, talk about the depth of these different positions, and um, we'll get into the schedule. We'll break down each game individually. Uh, this is an hour-long show. We have done shows in the past. What's our longest show we've ever done? Noah? I got to say,
1: it's got to be over three hours. It's got to be over three <laughs> hours. Maybe not post-edit,
2: but it's got to be over three hours.
0: Three hours. Three.
2: That, that's too much.
0: Now, for the record, I have done post-game shows. Well, maybe you don't know this. I don't know the longest post-game show because we'll watch the games um, together. I don't know the longest post-game show that I've been a part of after watching a game with you. But I, I know the Maryland post-game show last year, I was on till like 2 a.m. because we had people calling in. We had like 150 people calling or listening and people calling in. So, uh, no, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to keep this to an hour. And, no, Alex, uh, who joined us last year, I promise Ken's comment didn't make us fire him. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's not here. Maybe he'll call in. Maybe we can get him to call in at some point uh, over the next hour. But I want to get into this because we've got game week upon us. And, Makai, it's the shortest season of all. We say it every year. It's here. And then 12 weeks later, it's gone. You get 12 games. It's the shortest season out there. And it's the longest off season out there. And so we've got week zero games. We, I just got done watching a little bit ago watching uh, – Nebraska implode, which is what they do well. Um, Despite, I think, a better performance from the quarterback position, they just did what Nebraska does. So um, certainly Big Ten football is upon us. Iowa starting with a non-conference showdown against the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. But let's start with the roster and and just depth at each position. And what we do here, folks, if you haven't seen this annual preseason um, show we're calling this the unofficial preseason show, <laughs> right? I think it's clever, Noah. It's the unofficial preseason show. We'll have a by the way, for anybody who really wants to break down, I'm gonna have Don Patterson, coach Don Patterson, on later this week. Just tell everybody that'll be the, the preseason show, but uh, let's start with the offense, Noah, because, um, I think the biggest concern coming out of kids day, the open scrimmage here a couple of weeks ago, certainly media day and just throughout fall camp is the injuries at wide receiver. We've talked about it extensively. And for anybody who's new to the situation, Iowa losing Tyrone Tracy in the off season, he transfers to Purdue. And, and I think everybody have to, with a level head can admit that Tracy did not play up to expectations last year. So, you know, maybe he'll perform well at Purdue. Certainly if you're going to go someplace and resurrect your career as a pass catcher you're going to probably go to purdue Uh, and then charlie jones waits until after spring ends up leaving going to purdue that kind of uh, throws a wrench in things but that's the era of the transfer portal nowadays and i don't blame charlie jones for wanting to showcase his skill set but they've got injury issues with keegan johnson missing a lot of time since the end of last season nico regani is out right now with a foot injury uh, Arlen Bruce is the only real guy, scholarship guy that I'm aware of that has stayed healthy throughout all of fall camp. Um, Brody Breck has been out a lot. I think he's back now. Is he back at full speed? I hope. Deontay Vines, who had a good start to fall camp, uh, at least from what Kirk Ferentz said at media day, uh, he is out for several weeks of the season. So, so they're 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 dealing with some problems. Um, Noah, without even thinking about the injuries. Given what we saw from the pass offense last year and just the offense in general, 123rd, we know in total offense out of 130 FPS teams, there were no changes at quarterback. The only changes they really made at wide receiver is they added Jacob Bostick, who's a true freshman who may end up playing because of necessity, and then you lose your best specialist guy in, in Charlie Jones. You lose uh, Tyrone Tracy, and now you're de- dealing with injuries. How confident are you I Iowa's pass catchers right now?
2: Not very confident. I've said that before and they have turned out to be okay. But like you said, that poor of an offensive showing last year and then losing pieces, key pieces to your offense. It doesn't bode well.
0: I got to ask you this. Um, You guys are both Vikings fans and we seem to always bring this up every year, but you guys have had such, you kind of, I mean, no offense to Kirk cousins, but from an NFL uh, perspective, um, he's kind of a polarizing figure. Like I know some Vikings fans who are very defensive of Kirk Cousins, and I know like Makai, you you can't stand Kirk Cousins. <laughs> so the the thing is, is Petrus kind of was that way last year, and, and I think as the season went on, and and people just didn't see the improvement from 2020 to 2021, the patience has ran out, and we heard some of the same narrative at the beginning of last season. All oh, he's been training all all off season, all summer. He's going to be better we didn't see any improvement in fact some of his numbers went in the wrong direction last year and i didn't think alex padilla was very good when he played frankly um i just don't think it's a real strong quarterback room and i've been saying it since the end of last year that iowa needed to go to the transfer portal at quarterback they chose not to do that um quarterback is a position that we're always going to be talking about because not only is it the most important position on the field. Iowa asks a lot from a pre-snap routine out of their quarterbacks. Confidence in the QB position, Micaiah, and assuming that Spencer Petrus takes all the snaps or most of the snaps again in 2022.
1: Zero. I, I think Petrus has a good arm. I think it. the problem is mostly from a processor kind of standpoint. Just watching him play, he always felt like he was a half step behind, unsure of what decision to make, uh, making the safest play, and not willing to push the ball downfield, especially when it was called for. And Sometimes guys aren't, aren't open, but given the game situations, as a quarterback, you have to do your best to just like throw the ball to them and try and throw them open. And that's something you have, that's a high level quarterback play. I get it. He's not that level of quarterback, but sometimes you need that. And he didn't show that.
0: So why not go to the transfer portal? I mean, I know the transfer portals, I mean, you guys, we made this clear at the beginning of the show. You guys do not follow college football. like I do. Or maybe a lot of our listeners do, but you know about the transfer portal. I mean, there were more quarterbacks capable quarterbacks in the portal this off season than ever before. And I say what you want. I, I saw people on social media uh, ripping me today be not really ripping me but basically saying oh how'd that work out for nebraska casey thompson is not the reason nebraska lost that game today and if you look at casey thompson's numbers he had a terrific game and he threw for all kinds of yards at texas last year that was a good addition nebraska's got far bigger problems than casey thompson adrian martinez and, and the quarterback position their coaching staff right now is uh, in line for a major overhaul at the end of, at the end of the season but um, Iowa had a lot of options, whether it be Casey Thompson, Keaton Slovis, um, Calzada, Nix. I mean, you just go down the line of of capable quarterbacks that were out there. Adrian Martinez would have been, and uh, people will argue this. Adrian Martinez would have been an upgrade. Say what you want. I think a rational person who who looks at the numbers, watches the games. I get he was erratic at times, but when you're talking about Spencer petrus and I can tell you this right now, this is not a rip fest because. I'm rooting for Spencer to play great this year, but the reality is this, and, and this is what I responded to someone earlier today. Um, and and I, normally I wouldn't even uh, discuss it at this point in the, in the, uh, the year, because we're a week from, from the first game, but last year in the big 10 and you can keep in mind, 14 teams in the big 10 Spencer was 11th in passing efficiency, ninth in passing yards, 11th in big in completion percentage and 10th in touchdown to uh, interception ratio in the big 10 conference. Those are not good numbers. Those are well below average. And the guys who are below them are below Spencer are uh, like Noah Vedrill from Rutgers. And now Ryan Alinsky looked really good today, but that was not a very good Northwestern. That was a terrible Northwestern offense last year. And quarterback was at the top of the the list of, as far as struggles are concerned. So, Noah, can you explain the the uh, besides just Kirk being Kirk and being old school, the refusal to go to the quarterback and entertain that option?
2: The only thing I can think of is that it's a desire to stick with the guy that you already have in your system. As you mentioned it, you have a very demanding position at quarterback, and especially, if what you said is true, that they have a lot of pre-snap stuff and they run a very pro-style offense, you need somebody familiar with the system to run it well. Now, could they have gone out and gotten somebody with a better arm? Sure. But you have a guy that you're familiar with that's familiar with your system that's been in it for years. So maybe that's the mindset behind it.
0: Makaya, your thoughts on the desire or the refusal to go – try to upgrade at that position
1: um in my opinion non-expert opinion (laughs) uh, i think it's a scheme fit thing i think spencer is the type of quarterback that they want and they're not sure that they can get that same type of quarterback that would be better enough to make it worth replacing him
0: so, so Keaton Slovis is literally a better version of Spencer Peters and he transferred from USC to Pittsburgh, who just produced Kenny Pickett, who's going to be the starter with the Steelers. Likely, is his rookie year. Um, I, I think there's a good chance of in, at least by the by season's end. I, I get what you're saying. I've heard all the reason in the lines of reasoning. Uh, people say all the time. I don't well, think that was a good reason.
1: reason. That's just what I think they thought.
0: I, I've heard people say, "Why would Iowa go? To, why would why would any great quarterback want to come to Iowa?" That is the biggest defeatist attitude. I'm tired of hearing that because you're basically saying, Oh, well, oh, we're, they're not going to come here. So why would we even try? I mean, that's literally. Can you imagine living life that way? Noah, can you imagine living life that way? Like, you you, you have an opportunity, Like just talk about working a job, right? You, you're getting a job and you have two jobs in front of you. You say, Well, that job's going to be, you know, that job's going to pay me double what this job is. I can either. You know, work in a drive-through at McDonald's, or I can you know do this job. I'm qualified for both. I mean, I, I certainly, as a Big Ten school, you're trying to go to get a passer. Either guy could come there, right? You're capable of doing both, but because you feel that no, there's no way I could ever achieve that job, I'm not even going to try. I'm ra- I'd rather just stick with the the drive-through at McDonald's, and that's what Iowa quarterback. They have a drive-through at McDonald's.
2: <laughs> that's what it is, and it's not like Iowa is some. Small school, stuck in the back half of the Big Ten. I mean, I was very consistently on a ranking team.
0: You have a team that's on the verge of being elite with a, with a good offense. It's an elite team. In the, the top, top twenty five polls,
2: they were, I think, third on the list of honorable mentions to start the season.
0: I mean, they, I mean, they were in the Big Ten championship game last year. I don't care what the score was. They were in the Big Ten championship game last year. So I, I don't want to hear the people that say. You no, know, nobody, nobody, no great quarterback wants to come to Iowa. It's the fetus attitude. And that's why if you're if you if you're frustrated as a fan, why doesn't the fan base, why doesn't, and it's not all everybody in the fan base, but why, why is there a faction of the fan base? Why doesn't the coaching staff value Big Ten championships, trips to the college football playoff? That's why, because there isn't any emphasis placed on it. You can get to eight, nine wins, we're happy. Ten is a bonus, Right there's no there is no emphasis placed on championships and I think it's unfortunate. but quarterback position aside, the passing game is going to struggle um, unless they can get some health back to Keegan Johnson. and even then I don't I don't know if Keegan Johnson's full speed and you have a healthy Keegan Johnson, a healthy Ke- uh, Arlen Bruce and you get Nico Regani back by maybe weeks two or three. How great is that passing game? I, st- I mean, they, those guys were healthy last year. And I know the freshmen are a year older, but those guys were healthy last year.
2: The one thing you have going in your favor in the passing game is Laporta. And I mean, Peach has shown a reliance and a connection with Laporta last year on a regular basis.
0: Tight end is the one position that uh, could potentially keep the offense afloat. I mean, there, I don't think there's much of a chance of this offense being worse because you really can't be much worse than 123 out of 130. That's just common sense, right? Mathematics would tell you they're likely going to go in the... Probabilities would tell you that they're likely going to go in the opposite direction. All right? But my question is, can they rely on Luke Lachey and and, and Sam Laporta and maybe transfer the one transfer they did go after and get uh, Steven Stilianos who... Sounds like he's taken some time to acclimate himself with the system here, but he's a big, big body at tight end. Um, you know, I've heard people in the media try to make comparisons. Oh, uh, you know, the uh, tandem with Laporta and Lachey is going to be, you know, reminiscent of uh, Noah Fant and, and T.J. Hawkinson. I think that's a stretch for the imagination at this point. Luke Lachey was and that was quite inspired. a combination
1: of those two. So, like, getting well, back to I, I mean,
0: I, I don't think you can draw up a better tandem, and I think they were underutilized, frankly. I think when you have a guy who's the athleticism of a Noah Fant and then a guy with the just the natural skill and physicality of a T.J. Hawkinson, I think they were underutilized, um, which shouldn't surprise us because this is an Iowa offense. But my point is they were, at least, they were at least capable with Nate Stanley at quarterback with those guys. And so can you get that level of pr- production out of Laporta and Lachey? I think that's the way this offense – takes the biggest jump it can take is if those guys can be even poor versions, even just poor versions of Fant and Hawkinson that year, because if you have two really good tight ends, it does change um, how you operate. And then hopefully, you know, the wide receiver room has got to come along because I don't care what you say about Keegan Johnson and Bruce. Those guys had their moments last year, but those guys didn't set the world on fire. Receiver separation, something that continues to need need to improve and Nico Reganini's not the fastest guy, but he talked about it media day, just his his desire to better his route running and just just crispness and the details. Because when you're a guy who doesn't have the speed and athleticism that the guy across from you has, you, you have to be, uh, you know, concerned with detail, right? And um, so, I, you know, we'll see. I, I'm, that's the biggest position of concern moving forward. We can talk about the offensive line. There's juggling going on right there, uh, right along the, the offensive line, um, specifically at at the two guard positions. I don't know if we're gonna, you know, Jennings Dunker gonna be your starting right guard. Is it gonna be, um, you know, potentially both Stevens, um, Connor Colby's been playing a lot at right tackle. I don't, I don't know if he'll switch back in. I would guess he'll stay out there. But Mason Richmond, according to the most the uh, most recent practices for Iowa football, Mason Richmond is back. Um, so, with Richmond back, um, they've got a little bit of flexibility if he's at left tackle. David Davidkov is listed on the preseason depth chart, but uh, he, he's not been at fall camp. He's not been to practice. Um, I heard Tom Kakert say on his show here, uh, I've not spoken to Tom about uh, David Davidkov specifically, but I did hear him say on his show he doesn't expect him to be um, a part of Iowa football this year. And uh, I, I would guess that maybe we won't see him again. Um, which is unfortunate. I don't know if it's a personal thing or if it's a health problem, but that's a blow because he was, the, I believe, the highest rated kid in Iowa's 21 class as a four-star lineman. So that's that's a tough blow. But again, Richmond, Ellsbury, uh, Logan Jones is at center, the weight room freak. Michael Moslinski's had a good fall camp. Um, Connor Colby probably at right tackle, but maybe at, at right guard. Bo Stevens, Jennings, Dunker's not on the preseason depth chart, but I expect him to be on the, the depth chart released Monday. And then Nick DeYoung, where does he fit in? He played a lot at right tackle, but you know, and I know that uh, Iowa was bad at times last year at right tackle, and, and certainly that shone through against Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, and the Wolverines in the Big Ten Championship game. By the way, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a really good pro. He's looking good so far for the Lions. Uh, have you guys seen him in, in, in so far?
1: I haven't watched any preseason. I'm more of a. I don't really care about the preseason when it comes to the NFL. I'll, I'll wait for the regular season.
0: Well, that guy's going to be a stud, and um, so line uh, Noah. Just your thoughts on the line collectively. Uh, again, you dealing with some injuries, certainly not to the extent of wide receiver, but it get, it often gets overlooked. People say, "Well, they lost Linderbaum. Well, They also lost Shot. They also lost Ince, and they lost Justin Britt to an injury for the season. I feel sorry for Justin Britt's guy who can't stay healthy. That's four guys that you could argue four of your top five interior linemen are gone.
2: And the other thing I'm seeing here is at least I'm. Nine- not going to be able to keep up with all the changes that you just mentioned. But looking at this depth chart, most of the players are sophomore, freshman, even redshirt freshmen. Just yeah. a not very experienced line. Now, I'm sure they're talented, but it'll be interesting to see how they fit it all together, especially with shuffling so many pieces around.
0: And Jennings Dunker, the guy I just mentioned, who you're not even looking at, his at his profile, he's a redshirt freshman. He came in that 21 class as well. So, yeah, you're right. They're young. We know Logan Jones is a converted uh, defensive tackle. Um, your just your thoughts on uh, a young offensive line, trying to build cohesion, because if you can't protect the quarterback room, you, you got really very little shot of... Uh, of Really, it, you know, it's, it's dependent on several things. Obviously, you have to have the pass catchers. You have to have a quarterback that can get the, the – I mean, this is not rocket science. you got to have the quarterback that can get the, the uh, receiver the ball, and you got to have a line that protects them.
1: Well, it is another thing if you have that young offensive line, it's going to manifest itself in more ways than just having passing game and protection problems. You know, Iowa is a run-first team, and that running game is built on an offensive line. And so if they're having interior problems, Iowa's going to have difficulties
2: running the ball up the middle of the field. You combine that with what we're expecting, potentially, from the passing game this year. You're going to see a lot of stacked boxes, and it's going to be very difficult to get the running game going, too.
0: And so we can talk the running game. Tyler Goodson's looking good so far in the preseason for the Packers. Will he make the 53-man roster? I think he might. Um, he, he looks a bit, I don't know what his weight is listed at right now for for Green Bay, but he looks bigger than he was here. Um, that, that's a, If he makes the roster, you're happy for the kid. I think he's a nice kid, genuine young man. Um, wish the best for him it would help Iowa in recruiting. But it's also frustrating because, I mean, yeah, the line wasn't great last year, but I thought there were times where Tyler Goodson just didn't play very well. And, you know, maybe it's because his weight was not where it needed to be. I will say this, Iowa does have a couple um, future studs at running back. Caleb Johnson's had a terrific fall camp. When I saw him at uh, the open practice at, media, at uh, Kids Day, I thought Jazzy and Patterson played really well, ran um, with the decisiveness. Running back's not a position that is especially hard to play as a freshman. Tavian Banks had him on the show the other day, and he talked about just um, you know, running back is a position where it's, it's all about instinct. And it's not as much about learning a system. Um, obviously there's some of that, but I think those guys that even though they didn't enroll early have both have a chance to play. And Iowa's had their fair share of years where they've just been decimated at running back. So the running game has to be better. What's the magic number? Is it five? I asked Tavian this and he didn't really give me an answer. Is it four yards per carry? Is it 3.8? I think you've got to be close to four in the Iowa offense. And I think, more balanced runs you can't have you can't be mixing in two to three yard losses on first down regularly because we saw that derail entire drives for iowa last year you get behind the chains spencer petrus he's not a guy who's going to be able to uh, be innovative and create yardage right i mean he's got to work within his system And when you get behind the chains you you're kind of working out of the system
1: Yeah, if you're a run-first offense, by the way, I think the answer is four. Four yards per carry.
0: No?
2: Because that has to carry your your offense, the weight of your offense. I'd probably agree with that. It's a a pretty healthy number to aim for. But given the struggles, the potential struggles in the passing game and the questions we have about the young offensive line – Are they going to get to four yards per carry? We'll see. They've got some talented running backs in the room, and the offensive line might pull together and figure some things out, and they can really get a running game going. But, again, if you can't get that passing game going, you're going to face a lot of stack boxes, you know, seven, eight guys in the box, and it's difficult to hit that three-and-a-half, four yards per carry that you're aiming for.
0: And again, you get behind the chains. The other thing that it does is it kind of takes away play action. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're Iowa right now, um, staying ahead of the chains is probably the most important uh, aspect. I mean, like that's that's kind of like the simplest thing that you can attribute Iowa's struggles to last year. I know that maybe I'm oversimplifying it because they yeah, can point at positions, but getting behind the chains is. The primary issue, because it just derails everything else. You get one negative play, and all of a sudden your playbook is razor thin. And as you know, Brian Ferentz has not been uh, some um, master at play calling either.
2: That's putting it lightly. And not only does the playbook get thinner, but it's also a momentum and mood killer. It makes it really hard to stay motivated and to stay positive about the position that you're in and continue to play well. It's really easy to get down if you're constantly getting behind on first
0: down. Absolutely. Um, moving on to uh, fullback, we know uh, Turner Palisard is backing up Monty Potabom. They're fine there. Uh, those are two seniors who I give credit to Palisard. Boy, that that's got to be tough. Uh, I'm assuming uh, I don't know. You know, he got here. He was a, recruited as a linebacker initially, but um, I mean, look, he stuck it out, and he's a. Imagine not only having to be a a fullback, but being a backup fullback like that's I give Turner Palisar a lot of credit. I'm sure he'll play a lot in special teams right now. um, The place kicking duties are open. We'll we'll see if we get some clarification Monday. Um, I think uh, Drew Stevens is the better of the two. Um, I I think he'll start. But uh, Blom has certainly closed the gap. He's kicked well. The the closed scrimmage. uh, what i've heard is that he was perfect as was drew stevens he was perfect at the open scrimmage both guys were perfect at the open scrimmage those guys have progressed well and and are in line to to make up for what they're losing with caleb shudak let's move to the defense yes
2: a competition uh also motivates both guys to play better yeah to outdo the other
0: so if both guys are
2: playing well that's a good thing
0: no i've been saying that for months too that uh it sounded like drew stevens was overwhelmingly the better kicker and You know, it's nice that you have one guy who's playing well, but I've I've been saying it the whole time. Blom needs to start playing better to push Drew Stevens. Those guys are, you know, should be pushing each other. I I mean, I think that's, and I think no matter what position, even we're talking kicker, there's, there's a different type of pressure involved there. And I'm sure that uh, translates to practice and to uh, scrimmage settings. Uh, Return specialists. We, you know, you lose Charlie Jones. That's one positions not listed on the depth chart. Will it be Riley Moss? Will it be Aaron uh, Arlen Bruce? Will it be a TJ hall or a Xavier Wampa? Uh, Caden, uh, Weijin is a guy who, uh, transferred in from a Juco school, maybe get some time back there. It seems like I've seen Arlen Bruce in videos, clips, and, and photos, the most returning punts. And that concerns me a bit because of wide receiver depth. Uh, maybe, you know, it's a, it's a knack that not everybody has, you know, could Riley Moss do it? Maybe. Um, I think it'd be nice if you could have a guy like Alec Wick or Caden Weejen who, you know, a couple walk-ons who maybe Weejen may not play much unless it's as a special teamer. I think he's got good speed. Um somebody told me that uh, is in the know, somebody told me a couple months ago that they thought he was maybe the fastest guy on the team. He's a really good athlete but uh you know, we'll see. It'd be nice if they could develop somebody to at least be average to above average because boy, you're losing. An electrifying return specialist in uh, Charlie Jones. Defense. Uh, John Wagner at defensive end, Joe Evans at defensive end, Ethan Herkett's coming back from injury, Deontay Craig is coming back from injury. We can start with those four. You lose Van Valkenburg, but boy, you return some young talent and some old talent I mean it's old guys and young guys it literally you got Herkett and Craig who were both sophomores and you got Wagoner and Evans who were seniors isn't that kind of the mix you want you want your two seniors starting and you want your you know your young guys learning on each end
2: yeah and then you assume they're going to learn some things and they'll take over and you have confidence that they'll play well when those seniors move on next year
0: now, we'll say this. Lucas Van Ness is probably going to get a lot of time at defensive end. He's listed on the interior. I think he's too good. Too, I, I mean, they're going to run him everywhere. Kelvin Bell likes to run guys inside yeah. and out. Um, We've seen
2: that, saw that all the time last year. Constantly moving in people, you know, seven, eight, nine people Yeah, all playing on the defensive line. It's a strength of the defense.
0: And AJ Epines is a perfect example. I mean, he's certainly not your typical defensive lineman, but they were able to move him. To for you know, at end, they were able to play him at defensive tackle, and I give Phil Parker and Kelvin Bell a lot of credit. He was effective wherever he was at. Same with Van Valkenburg. I think you're going to see the same exact thing out of Van Ness. Boy, it'd be great if you could get if if Wagner could be a dynamic pass rusher. I know at times the system doesn't create as much for uh for Wagner's side of the ball, but or side of the side of the line, I should say. Um, but boy, it'd be nice if both of those ends could could create some havoc like an Anthony Nelson AJ Vanessa Tandem. I know that's shooting for the stars. But but I mean look w- Wagner I've always said he's he's one of the guys I want to say the biggest underachieving guys here. I, that that's not fair to John. But he's got the body at 6'5 267 to be really good. I mean Vanessa I think Van Ness is trimmed like he's he's cut. He's physically shaped to be a dynamic player. But, I mean, you just look at the numbers. Wagoner's listed at six five two sixty seven. Van Ness is 6'5", 269. So I, I think those two guys could be great. And then you line up a guy like Hercut and Evans at times on obvious passing downs. Here's what I see at times. You're going to have a situation where you get uh, Ethan Hercut or Deontay Craig on one end. I think you're going to have Van Ness on the interior. I think you're going to have... Um, Aaron Graves at times at the other defensive tackle spot, and then you're going to have Joe Evans. So in other words, you have two pass rush specialists as your ends, and then two pass rush special pass rush specialists on the interior. But Graves and Van Ness are both guys who are big enough to play tackle. So I think on obvious passing downs, you may see more of that. Um, but how good is Noah Shannon now? I've heard great things about him. Uh, he's been the one guy that his name keeps getting brought up. Is he a guy who can be a factor in? in Pass rushing situations. I certainly think he's gonna be a, a a gap eater, right? He's gonna be a, a a space filler, which is you know, the to, to be the run defense that you need to be at Iowa, you you need those guys. Um Louis Steck's a guy that's not listed here, number fifty. I think he's listed at like six foot two. What is he listed at? I can pull it up here. Um Louis Steck is listed uh, at six foot two sixty eight. He's not a real big guy. But uh, he's just a hard worker, a dog. He got some time this fall with the ones and twos. You may see him at times. And um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. We did this before we went on the show, too. Who is the guy that we were missing?
2: I can't remember.
0: Oh, Chris I mean, Reams. Chris Reams. May, he he may end up playing some as well.
2: You're you're talking 10, 11 people playing 11. on this line.
0: I think it's 11, isn't it?
2: I can't remember.
0: Well, you've got eight here. That's a lot of names. You got eight here, plus Louis Steck, Aaron Graves. I think that's ten. You're ten, and then if if Chris Reams, you know, you know, he's becoming a an older guy now as as a junior. Yeah, I mean,
2: and that should say something about your defensive line. If you have some sort of confidence in any one of those guys getting playing time, I mean, if you've got ten guys that can all play, why not use them?
0: Oh, and by the way, Brian Allen. True freshman, four-star recruit, enrolled early, so he's had he's got a spring in his back pocket. So if he's called upon, I'm I'm guessing he'll be ready. So uh, it's it's in it's a fascinating situation on that defensive line. I'm I'm bought in hook line and sinker. Makaya, your thoughts on just uh, depth and um, how Iowa can use that to its advantage?
1: Um, first of all, uh, it's nice to to see that the defense is still very much intact after how dominant. It was last year. I, I don't really have any concerns, especially about the defensive line. Uh, this and when you can rotate guys, you keep all those guys fresh. It works the other way. On the uh, the offensive line starts to get tired out on the other team, you can keep your defensive linemen fresh and keep pushing them around all game long. Keep that extra pressure on the on the other team if you can really
2: really accomplish that. And then, if you can wear down the offensive line as the game goes on, you can start to turn the tables so that you can start to make plays defensively against the other team.
0: I think they're going to be. I think they're going run ten. That's my prediction. I think they're oh. going to run ten. Um, now, injuries—it's a good
2: problem to have.
0: Boy, <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> and it like in in basketball. I've seen there have been years where Fran McCaffrey to me is is rotating too many guys, and I mean, if you're Fran and you're running. 11 guys or 12 guys, I think that's too many, but I mean, here's a situation where football, they're running 12 guys that you could say two positions, right? So, I mean, um, it, it doesn't seem to work. I mean, like I've never seen an example where I, where I'd say, Hey, they're running too many guys at defensive line. I don't remember a time of ever saying that. Um, so I, I foresee a situation where they're, uh, they're pretty deep. Along the defensive line linebackers, I mean, maybe the strongest position on the field. And that says something, given the fact that we just <laughs> were applauding the defensive line. But I mean, Jack Campbell, um, you know, he's a big guy. I mean, just, I think,
2: Corey, start with what you told me when we were going over this before we started about these linebackers.
0: are I mean, they're all three on the Buckus Award watch list. I mean, I'm not huge into watch lists, but I mean, maybe says it's, it's, something. Yeah, I mean Justin Jacobs maybe he may have the the most pro potential out of any of them, and I think he's considered to be number three, right? I mean they play different positions at linebacker, but Seth, I mean Jack Campbell's been compared to a a, a poor man's Brian Urlacher. I don't know if he'll end up being like Urlacher. I mean certainly in the league that's uh, shooting for the stars, but he's got the he's got the size. I mean you you don't often see six foot five, two hundred fifty pound linebackers. In college um, and then of course uh, Seth Benson you know six foot 232 but really good pass rushing linebacker and just solid I mean he kind of reminds reminds me a bit of a Bo Bauer just kind of how Bo Bauer played behind, you know beside Josie Jewell was just a solid guy and I, I think you're going to get I don't know what his future in the league is but you're going to get good production out of him as a as a senior and certainly the potential of uh, Justin Jacobs his athleticism at six four two thirty eight 238 is exciting Cooper DeGene is listed as your starting uh, cash guy. I, I don't know if that's going to stay that way. I would guess it will, but he's played every position. He's played safety. He's played cor- he was at corner last year. Um, he's an intriguing guy. He's listed at six foot. Um, let's see. Where is he listed here? Six one. I Listen, I've stood next to the guy, Noah. He ain't six one. <laughs> he is a short, short guy. Um, he, he may be six foot. I, I think that's being generous. Um, when I saw him, I'm like, who is that kid over there? And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's Cooper DeGene." Jean who, I mean, talk about a, an unbelievable athlete in high school. I, I think he's got the potential to return punts, return kicks, play three different positions on defense. If they needed him on offense, he could probably play offense. I think he's that athletic, but it'll be, in, he's an intriguing guy between him and Xavier Wampa. In that secondary, it's going to be intriguing to see how they use those guys. Wampa, of course, not listed on the depth chart. Here's my prediction no, I think he'll be listed this week. And if he's not, even if he's not, he's going to play a lot. Five star kid out of Southeast Polk. Um, you know, will he supplant Quinn Schulte at, at free safety uh, by the end of the year? Maybe. Um, but Schulte, uh, you know, he's going to prove himself. Former walk on at six one two oh eight from Cedar Rapids. They've had plenty of those examples. I mean, you think of, uh, You know, John Loudermilk and, you know, Jack Kerner last year. Um, I mean, you just you can go down the list. Uh, Who's the kid that uh, ended up with the Rams whose name escapes me? I can picture his face. People know who I'm talking about. But they've had plenty of guys at safety that, you know, start as, you know, either very um, low recruited kids or walk-ons even, and they end up being really good defensive backs. I mean, think of Brett Greenwood being an example. He was not a kid who was real highly sought after, and certainly him and Tyler Sash were uh, spectacular. Uh, the cornerback we know, uh, Riley Moss comes back. Jamari Harris is back. He'll miss a game due to an infraction earlier this year. Um, you get Terry Roberts, whose time is now, who's been a special team star, but now is going to have a chance to shine on defense. Brandon Diaz-Fernandez makes his first appearance on the two deeps. T.J. Hall is a freshman who's been really, really impressive uh, in preseason. Just thoughts on uh, defensive back. Uh, well, I guess we can start with Micaiah. Um, any concerns at all? You know, you, you do lose a couple really, uh, three really solid defensive backs in Matt Hankins, Jack Kerner, and Dane Belton. However, you bring in a five-star in Wampa. You bring in, uh, you know, another year of development for Cooper DeGene. And then, of course, T.J. Hall coming in as a, as a rangy, true freshman
1: the the secondary on, on the team might not be as good as it was last year but um i'm not sure that you'll actually even if it's not as good i don't know that anybody will actually notice because the the core of this team and its defensive identity is his defensive line and because of because of that I guess the linebackers are great too, but because the defensive line is so good, they'll be able to generate pressure and it's going to take a lot of weight off of that defensive uh, secondary's shoulders. It's going to make their jobs a lot easier. They're not going to have to cover as long. They're going to get more errant throws, hurried throws, those kinds of things, and it's going to make them look great. And um, I don't know that it's going to be as good. The secondary is going to be as good as it was last year, but I don't think, it's really – and there's no concern here for me.
2: And you still got talented guys back there. Absolutely, like ev- everybody's going to be looking at the front, what, six, seven, depending on whether or not they're playing the catch. 15. <laughs> <From> 15. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's going to be looking at the front of the defense. The secondary is just fine, especially with what Makai was talking about, getting pressure. Getting those stops up front, putting pressure on the quarterback. It's going to make life easy for those guys. And they're talented guys. I think this defense all around is going to play really well this year.
0: Well, well, last year, I think it was last year, Alex kept saying that he was concerned about the secondary. And I i, I don't know. You you probably don't remember. I don't know why I remember this from last year. But do you remember me saying that... You still that, have the I mean, text I,
1: document I was, from last year? You what? I think so. Somewhere.
2: Keep talking. I'll find it.
0: <laughs> do you remember me saying, Noah, that last year that... Uh, obviously, for anybody who doesn't realize you're on two different screens you are in the same room right now you are together exactly. yes. yes we're using
1: so. one microphone too
0: <laughs> so but do you remember me saying that i was not at all concerned with defensive back or excuse me specifically corner
2: i do remember that Actually.
0: so i am not concerned but if there was one position that i would be concerned with on the defense certainly it would be defensive back am i more concerned with safety or corner probably safety because Kayvon merriweather has been good not great and I just don't know what you're getting with Quinn Schulte, you know, and and do I think Xavier Wampa, Xavier Wampa's, I I, I would hope, and this is nothing against Quinn Schulte, but I would hope Makaya, that by the middle of the season, the five-star safety Xavier Wampa has supplanted him. You know, well, he's got
1: that kind of raw talent.
0: Yeah. I mean, you ain't going to get him for five, you ain't going to get him for five years. So like Don Patterson has said, red shirting is overrated nowadays. Play them when you, while you can, as long as they're ready. Uh, I, I think Xavier Wamp is going to play a lot. Um, is he more of a, a natural freeze? I mean, I, I just think it's intriguing the flexibility you have with Cooper DeGene. I keep saying that because he can play so many positions. You know, if you've got somebody else that you're comfortable playing at cash, is Sebastian Castro a guy who you play at cash? Is Xavier Wampa a guy you play at cash? Is Riley Moss a guy you play at cash? If you feel good about Jamari Harris and Terry Roberts, and maybe even a TJ Hall or Brennan Diaz-Fernandez, maybe you slide Riley Moss down to play cash. I don't know what they've tinkered with in practice. Um, probably less tinkering than we would think, right? <laughs> but we don't know that either. So if It gives there was- you
2: flexibility if there's injuries or yeah, you know something's not quite working out you can make an adjustment
0: if there was a position of concern it would be defensive back but i'm not concerned i think this defense is going to be better than last year and that says something do i think they'll create as many interceptions i'm not going to predict that because you know how hard it is to get 25 picks in a season that's what they did last year it's ridiculous but i also need will get more forced fumbles i think they'll get more fumble recoveries because they only recovered five all of last year so I think they well, have a chance. it's hard
2: to get so many fumble recoveries when you're getting an interception so often.
0: True. But it's an area that you can improve on and you can say, hey, we, we need to do better recovering fumbles.
1: Is there any way you can complain about a defense that's a potential to be top five in the country?
0: Well, I will say this, and, and here's this is where I, I differ from a lot of Iowa fans. I am not bought into Riley Moss being a first team, first ballot, or first ballot, first team All American by the end of, of the season. I hope he is, but I, I think the uh, pick sixes, especially against Indiana, those well, those pick sixes in the first game really changed how people viewed Riley Moss. He got beat on some place. You guys remember even against Kent State, he got beat on some double moves. And you know, I I talked. I asked Phil Parker that question. Is that an area where you see the biggest need for improvement for Riley Moss? And it was interesting. Phil's response was, well, I I think Riley would say that he didn't play as well as he wanted to last year. The guy won defensive back of the year in the big 10. So that's actually a good sign to me, Noah, because it shows that, Hey, you know, award or not, they're looking at the film. And I think they're seeing the same thing that I've seen. And same thing that Don Patterson seen.
2: You're not staying comfortable just because you were the best in the big 10. You see something to improve on, and you
0: pursue that. And if he's going to be a successful player in, in the NFL, I mean, there's a reason he came back. The NFL, clearly, uh, I don't i don't think he was ready. Uh, would he have gotten drafted? He probably would have gotten a late flyer in the fifth or sixth round. But, you know, I think he could be a two- to four-round draft pick next year if he can make some adjustments in discipline. And I, I think he's got the speed. Um, But I do think that's going to be – it'll be interesting to see how he plays and uh, who will take over the – you know, will Terry Roberts start week one because of Harris being out and keep the position, or will Harris take it over in week two? It's a fascinating situation. Maybe they'll play more nickel because they've got the depth uh, at corner. I, I shouldn't say depth. They have experience at corner. I don't think they're real deep. I mean, they're not like six or seven deep, but I think that they've got experience depth, those top three, and then a couple of guys they like uh, at five and six or at four and five. All right, final position before we move on to schedule. Um, well, two positions: punter and snapper. Right. Um, Luke Elkin, uh, the snapper, Tory Taylor uh, is going to have a chance to be whatever the uh, what's the uh punter award. Uh, I can't remember what it is. Ray Guy. Ray Guy award. I think he's got a chance to uh, be uh, winning that this year. Probably should have won it last year. There's a lot of good punters. I um, mean,
2: you can't overlook Tory Taylor because he was really, really good.
0: He was the reason why Iowa was even in a lot of those games, right? And uh, that's sad, but true.
1: So you got a punter that good, you win the field position battle when you're losing the field position battle. <laughs>
0: I don't like this slogan. Punting is winning. Iowa fans are <laughs> with that right now. I really don't like it because I don't think it. I think it's more kind of pathetic. But it that's does a defeatist make- attitude.
1: That's a defeatist? That's a defeatist attitude. Well, because punting means you didn't score points. Right. Can we go score points, please?
0: Well, they—if you recall against Penn State, they did take a knee and then punt. Have you ever seen anybody ever do that? Have you ever seen anybody ever take a knee and then punt? And Not it that I
2: can remember. Other
0: than that. So they'll be fine at punter. Um, They've got um, Nick Phelps, the backup punter, uh, if need be. Um, But uh, they'll be fine there. Hawkeye fans, let's talk about health and performance optimization for a moment. Our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, offers amazing products. It's actually owned by former Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler. Now, I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of their unique approach to human health. Ascent offers an organically grown mold and mycotoxin-free coffee. It provides a pure, clean, and rich flavor without those pesticides that most coffees are treated with. They also offer an algae oil DHA, which is used to support brain health, memory, and focus, as well as proper nervous system development in adults, children, athletes, and even pets. Now, lastly, their unique crafted wild pine pollen is used to support cardiovascular health hormonal function and a healthy libido. Your purchase not only supports this channel but the business of a former hawkeye. Visit goascentnutrition.com or click the link in the description below and use the code hawkeyes. That's the code hawkeyes to receive 10% off your total order from Ascent Nutrition. All right, let's move to the schedule, boys. This is the this is our uh, highlight of our show every year. Um, and we've just got, did you find that, did
2: you find that document? I did. Do you want to look back at last
0: year? What we did last year.
2: Yeah. I've still got it saved from last year. I don't know why, but I still got it it on us. Okay. So Corey, last year, first, I'm going to ask you, what was I was record
0: 10 and two in the regular season, uh, 10 and four overall.
2: Okay. And these are just for the most part, regular season. Who did they lose to those two games?
0: They lost to Wisconsin and Purdue.
2: Okay. So none of us picked them losing to Purdue. And you said Wisconsin was the other one, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wisconsin was the other one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, three out of four, everybody but Corey picked Wisconsin as one of the losses. So Corey, you said they were going nine and three with losses to Iowa State. Maryland and Northwestern
0: now in my defense in my defense they almost lost to Northwestern and I mean Iowa State was favored in that game in Ames Iowa played really well uh Maryland was undefeated when they played Iowa uh now I will say this too I did predict Iowa was going to win the West last year you remember when I said that? I said I actually have that written down
2: here you said that you were going to win the West
0: and you know I don't always predict that. I mean you, you call me a homer all you want. I don't always predict that. With a
2: seven and two conference record. Which they had. So you know well, anyways. That one. so Alex had them at ten and two with losses to Wisconsin in and Northwestern in back-to-back weeks. Micaiah had them at ten and two, losing to Wisconsin and Minnesota. And then I had them at nine and three. Losing to Indiana in Week One, and then Penn State and Wisconsin.
0: So now, did, did everybody... I believe
1: I don't know if he has this written down, but I believe I also said that they would still win the West over Wisconsin and whoever else, even though they lost to Wisconsin.
0: Okay, that's also awesome. my next question. Did everybody else predict the seven and two was good enough to win the West?
2: I can't remember that.
1: And I, I think Alex
2: said no. I, I want to say Alex said no, but he's not here to to clarify on that. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. So, but we were all. Pretty
0: close to accurate last year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's run through it. Um, I've been uh, breaking down uh, the schedule uh, throughout the summer and uh, taking each opponent one by one. I'll do this kind of in a quicker version here, and we're, we're going to actually make selections. I, and I, just for everybody knows, I have not done this. This is I always wait till this show to actually give you my picks and my preseason predictions. I'll come out with a video on the YouTube channel that kind of sums it up. But let's go ahead and do this. We'll start with number one, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, led by uh, longtime head coach John Stiglmeyer, very respected guy in the Summit League. And uh, well, I should say, are they even Summit League? I guess technically they're uh, Missouri Valley, I believe, in, in the FCS in football. Um, But very good program, one of the best in the FCS. We know Iowa lost to an FCS power in North Dakota State back in 2016. This is a tricky game. South Dakota State had two guys drafted last year, one at at quarterback, one at running back. That scares a person because it shows that they're producing NFL-level talent. They did lose those guys, but um, I've got Iowa. I'm not going to predict an upset here. I don't know what the spread is. I don't know if Vegas puts out spread. I, there are spreads out there, but it's an FCS, FBS uh, games. I don't know what the spread is going to be. I may take South Dakota State against the spread. I could see this being closer than people want. Noah?
2: I'm going to take Iowa. Again, not knowing what the spread is, just picking it straight up. I'll take Iowa.
0: I would take Iowa against the spread. That, w- that would be my initial inclination without even looking at it, Makai,
1: okay? I'm also taking Iowa.
0: Okay, so not not much hesitancy from you guys. That's that's fine. I mean, I, I'm not going to predict. I, it I
1: never, I never pick an FCS team to beat Iowa. I just don't.
0: Well, that's good.
1: <laughs> that, um, that's an insult to the FCS. They have quality football over there too. I, I just
0: an FCS should never beat Iowa. That's the the bottom line. They should and
2: never. The last never. time was what'd you say, 2016?
0: Yeah, and they almost lost to you and I back in 2009. If it weren't for the two block kicks in the final. Seconds of that, that game. That was so.
2: nuts. That was
0: Give one of my second. first
1: years. That was one of my first years following Hawkeye football. I listened to that game on the radio. Man, that was all nuts,
0: right. Noah, you, you always bring up my memory. 2014. Look it up. 2014. Iowa. You and I. I believe they won. They won that game. But boy, that was a game where David Johnson and yes, the David Johnson carved Iowa up. And I won't say who was line. Who was the linebacker that got carved There were two linebackers that got carved in that game. Am I correct in saying Iowa won, but David Johnson had a ton of yards?
2: Okay, so Iowa won thirty-one to twenty-three.
0: Yeah, much way too close.
2: Um, fourteen stats.
0: Get a box score on that.
2: Box score. Here we go.
0: Um, I want to know how many total yards Johnson had.
2: Thirteen for thirteen carries for thirty-four yards.
0: Okay, but how many how many uh, receiving yards? Uh, receiving. ah
2: (laughs) okay five receptions for 203 (laughs) yards
0: listen you don't remember that game i do we're talking dinking and dunking over iowa linebackers and it was almost like the the christian mccaffrey thing at the rose bowl and and you guys know david johnson in his in his prime i mean he's he's kind of phased out now in the league but in his prime, he was one of the best running backs in the league. Mm-hmm. So think about him going up against the Iowa linebackers. That was a subpar group of linebackers.
2: And his long in that game for receptions was 70 yards.
0: I think I remember the play. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, these linebackers can't cover anything. But I don't think we realized how good David Johnson was <laughs> at the time. Um, so, boy, he's a guy. You know, Iowa offered him as a walk-on. Talk about a miss. They wanted him to walk on. Unbelievable. Another another miss at at running back. Um, Okay, so we're all picking Iowa against South Dakota State. We move on to week two. It's the Seahawks series. Iowa hasn't lost this game since 2014. Iowa State losing uh, or down Brees Hall, who's now a New York Jet. They're down Brock Purdy, who's with the 49ers. So uh, a different-looking Cyclone team. They do have a quarterback, who a lefty, who's uh, broke some – records in high school he's certainly a talented guy Iowa got a look at him last year when Purdy was pulled from that Scihawk game I'm taking Iowa in that game mainly just because it's at home I, I think on the road I, I mean I just don't know what to expect from Iowa State and this series is so weird like I wouldn't be shocked if Iowa State won this if it was an Ames it was anybody's
2: game me. basically any year
0: but it would surprise me if they win in Iowa City I, I just think I just would be surprised. I don't know that um, Jirel Brock or or whoever else is at running back. You know, they have Xavier uh, Hutchinson coming back. You know, how good can he be at receiver? And do they, again, do they have a a quarterback that can get him the ball? Um, I'm just not going to pick against Iowa in Iowa City, Makaya.
2: I pick Iowa by a field goal.
0: Another close game.
2: (laughs) I'm going to pick Iowa, but. I think it's gonna be close.
0: These teams close
2: usually play each other pretty tough. We'll
0: With see. The exception the exception being twenty sixteen. You wanna look up the score of that one too? Iowa, Iowa State twenty sixteen. Uh,
2: Forty two to three. Yeah. That um, was I game. will say, I will say, Iowa has won six straight in the series since their undefeated twenty fifteen season. In twenty fourteen, the last game Iowa State won was in Iowa City. Iowa lost right. by a field goal.
0: Wasn't it like nine to six?
2: Twenty to seventeen. No, you're thinking of the year twelve
0: before
2: twenty twelve. That was in Iowa City,
0: nine to six. And then knows. the year
2: before that, Iowa State also won forty-four to forty-one.
0: Yeah, that was the that was the steel chance here. No, the twenty twelve game was the most miserable game I've ever seen. I was watching that at a sports bar in Norwalk, Iowa. <laughs> Okay, It was one of the most miserable games I've ever seen in my life. I was by myself at this sports bar watching this game and thinking, what am I watching here? (laughs) Iowa just lost at home to to a mediocre Iowa State team and scored six points doing so.
2: Uh, Was it 2018 that they had the really weird rain delay? I want to say it was 2018. Uh,
1: there was like a tornado warning in the area, and they had to delay the game for half an hour.
0: Oh, yeah, twenty nineteen.
2: Well, that was twenty nineteen. Okay, because I was going to say if it was twenty eighteen, they would be up there because that was thirteen to three.
0: Yeah, that was the year. Uh, yeah, I know where. I know where. They muffed the punt, right? What I
1: think Iowa Iowa State was going to get the ball back, and they blew the the punt return. Didn't that they?
0: that was nineteen?
1: That was nineteen.
0: No, two thousand eighteen was the. Brandon Smith throw where he kind of had his first big play of his career kind of hyper extended his elbow too. And he got taken down to the ground. Smith Marset said to the same thing, actually he had a weird deep, deep ball, um, over, over, uh, Lawrence white of Iowa state. <laughs> Why do I remember this? I, let's I don't see. know. Right. So, uh So, I've got Iowa State, you guys, or excuse me, I've got Iowa. You guys, guys, (laughs) Make sure you get that right. (laughs) You you guys have Iowa. Iowa then, uh, and and by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, South Dakota State is an FS1 game at 11. Iowa State, 3 p.m. on Big Ten Network. They get a night game against the Nevada Wolf Pack at 6.30 on BTN. Nevada uh, was coached by former Hawkeye Jay Norvell. He's now at uh, Colorado State. I I don't know. uh, You know, I could check. Nevada actually played today. Uh, Noah, can you look that up? Week zero, uh, Nevada played New Mexico State. They may still be playing as we're recording this. Probably or not. Um. So, but I, I don't think Nevada is going to be New Mexico State's terrible. By the way, they were two and ten last year.
2: Third quarter, Nevada's up seventeen
0: to two. Two really take a safety. Yeah, two.
2: <laughs> so in other it's, words, it's better
1: than
0: one. So so Nevada at least is is obviously substantially better than New Mexico <laughs> State. But again. New Mexico state was terrible. I don't think Nevada, you know, it's a night game. Um that's going to be an experience for the Wolfpack kids certainly. I don't see Iowa losing that game. It is the the last game before you start Big 10 play, but I got the Hawkeyes. Noah.
1: I'll take the Hawkeyes. You okay. Iowa, I'm not really concerned at all. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> all right. So, we move on and if anybody's keeping track, they're 3 and 0. Noah. 3 and 0. All right, you move on uh september is a very doable month it's a tough schedule collectively but september is a doable month they go on the road to rutgers
2: yeah the schedule gets hard in october
0: and the last time they played rutgers you want to look this up too i can tell you the last time they played rutgers excuse me not at home they blew them out a couple years ago at home it was like 30 to 7 they played them on the road at piscataway with george kittle and cj bethard akron wadley and they barely i think it was like 14 to 7 In Piscataway. Am I correct on the score there, Noah? I believe it was
2: 2016.
0: 2016, 14 to 7. Yeah. Making it (laughs) how do you
2: remember this? That
0: that one that one I kinda guessed. Now, Corey,
2: 2019 in Iowa City. What was the score?
0: I I think I said it, didn't I? Didn't I say thirty to seven or thirty three to seven? What was it?
2: Thirty to zero.
0: Okay. I was one score <laughs> off on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still don't
2: know how you remember all this stuff,
0: but no, they did shut him out. so um that's a tricky trip to Piscataway. It's all the way across the country. Um, Greg Schiano, obviously his time with the Buccaneers and his first go around with the with uh, uh, Rutgers they haven't played Schiano since he's been back that that's a tough game. I don't know how much better Rutgers will be this year, but I have to think they're gonna be a decent defensive team. And with Iowa's offense, I mean, where are the points going to come from? So it'll be interesting to see, um, can they kind of do what they did to Maryland last year and score a bunch of points in an early conference game against an East Coast team? It'll be intriguing. I've got Iowa winning that game, but it is a trap game. That That, that is the definition of a trap game.
2: Especially when you look at the week after. I, yes. I'm going to agree with you. I'll take Iowa, but...
0: It's a big trap game.
2: Yeah. I'm also okay. taking Iowa. Because they could be trying to look ahead to Michigan the week after.
0: I'm telling that. you, I, I don't think that Rutgers is going to be all that bad. I just don't. I know we're used to be Rutgers being bottom of the barrel. I, I just, I'm kind of like with Rutgers the way I am with uh, Illinois. I mean, I think Brett Bielema, that team's going to just steadily get better. Now, how much better can they get in a tough conference? You know, especially Rutgers in their division but I think it's going to be a better team. I got Iowa winning. So we've all got a four and heading into a huge rematch against Michigan. That that game, that Michigan game, just so you guys are aware, that could easily be hyped like the Penn state Iowa game was last year. You remember that game and the hype around that uh, game last year, right? What was it two versus three? Uh, Wasn't Iowa three, Penn state was two or two versus six, three, three, two four? versus
1: four. It was, it was nuts. Yeah.
0: And, of course, Iowa won that game by the skin of their teeth. Um, I think the Michigan game – listen, they got blown out at the Big Ten Championship game. They ain't going to get blown out in Kinnick. Can we agree on that? I just don't think they will.
2: It was three and four. Iowa was three. Penn State was four.
0: Okay. So, so I'm not saying Iowa's going to beat Michigan, but I do think – I'm not saying that yet. Uh, but I do think that uh, it will be close. Do you guys think that Michigan uh, – Could blow Iowa out in that game at Kinnick. I just don't see that happening. Not again.
1: I think think it's possible. I don't think they will. Um, Well, they
0: haven't won. When's last time they've won in Kinnick? I I actually, I don't know. So you know, the last time they played in Kinnick, they were like number three in the country and lost in 2016 behind a Keith Duncan game-winning field goal. Um, and I could tell you the score of that game if you gave me a moment. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, As he pulls it up on his phone.
2: No,
0: I think it was like. Uh, You're 20, talking 21. about.
2: Were you talking the last game in Iowa City?
0: Yes, 2016. That, uh, yeah, because I know uh, in 2019 Noah, 2019 they played and lost 10 to three. I know 2016 though wasn't that game 23-21 or 21-19? No, 2016
2: was 14 to 13.
0: Fourteen to thirteen. Okay.
2: Twenty thirteen was also in Iowa City. That was twenty four twenty one Iowa.
0: Okay. So it's it's a house of horrors for teams. We know that it's a tough place to play. Ohio State can tell you that from twenty seventeen. But I think at this point, um, at, at this the last point, time,
2: the last time Michigan won in Iowa City was two thousand five.
0: Yeah, there you go. I, I think Iowa wins that game, boys, and 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 I, I don't. Is there a talent gap? Yes, but look, I mean, say what you want about my me predicting that Iowa was going to beat Michigan in the Big Ten championship game last year. Th- this is a different situation when you're coming to Kinnick, and I, I would have to think that the forty-two to three score will get brought up. It should get brought up. And I, I just don't see any way Iowa does not make this a close game. And if it's a close game in Kinnick, I'm taking the Hawks. Makai,
1: I hate to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pick Michigan. Close game. I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close at least until late. Okay. But no. I, I just I'm, I'm that one has danger signs oh. all over the place
0: that one's gonna i might have uh Chili's cater in that game <laughs> <laughs> that, that game is the game that like like i said i could equate that kind of de- as long as both teams take care of business up until
1: i am more nervous about iowa losing to you know how they're going to play against michigan than i am about how they're going to play against iowa state now that's probably oh. i don't i don't think that's saying much but
0: well I don't know. I, I think I disagree with you. I think there's a better chance. This is my opinion. I think there's a better chance that they are not up to snuff against Iowa State because you've beat them how many times in a row? You're at home. Iowa State's not per- Iowa State's a big underdog. Whereas Michigan, you have motivation. You're the underdog. You've got a packed house. It's maybe going to be the marquee game in college football that week. And you're coming off a 42-3 loss to them last year. I, I think there's a better chance that they lay an egg against Iowa State. But that's just my opinion, Noah. You, you, your thoughts?
2: I also hate to be that guy, oh, but I'm going to take Michigan.
0: Okay, fine, whatever.
2: I I just whatever. can't see it. Like yeah. I expect them to try, and I expect it'll be a close game. But I just
0: I mean, I thought I, I thought you know I, I have thought, a
2: bad feeling about this one.
0: Well, I thought we were friends, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's I move see. on. Um, okay, so I've got Iowa at five and zero. If you're keeping track, folks. Um, I believe they'll start off the, – and keep in mind, we can play back the tape. I've been saying since January that there's no way unless Iowa's offense gets substantially better, and I'm talking top 80, at least top 90. That's at least a small jump it's, that they're going to win 10 that's games. not
1: even much to ask of an offense.
0: To no, it's here. not. <laughs> <laughs> third it is. I'm like, what I'm saying, I've said this since January. There's no way, unless that that happens, that they can get back to 10 wins in the regular season again. They did it last year with that offense. They ain't going to do it this year because the schedule is so much tougher. Now, I do think they'll beat Michigan. I think they'll be 5-0, but I could see that game going either way. I do believe they'll be 4-0, but the schedule doesn't get any easier. Now, they do get a game at Illinois, which is another trap game. It's sandwiched between two massive contests, and you're going up against a Brett Bielema team that I think will be improved. They took care of business today in their season opener against Wyoming. I'm going to have to take Iowa. I'm not going to pick Illinois in that game, but I I Iowa's played with fire these last two years against the Illini, Noah.
2: I'll take Iowa.
0: Quick, simple, straight to the point. (laughs) I'll also okay.
1: take Iowa. Though I think Illinois will be better than Rutgers.
0: Can we agree that Rutgers and Illinois, though those are mar- those are vintage trap games? Both. Oh of them. yeah. You're on the yeah. you're on the road in the a toughest, toughest part season. of their schedule.
2: It's the toughest part of their schedule. I those win. games are just like also there. I would argue that Rutgers is more of the trap game because at least really? between Illinois and Ohio State, you have a bye week in there.
0: So you've got a little True. bit more time. You in. are right. We did not bring up the buy. I'm glad you brought that up. You are right. There is the buy. So we have you've
2: got Illinois playing. on October good 8th, point. and then Ohio Very State at Ohio State. Yeah. In October 22nd.
0: Right. So let's move to that. So they get a buy. Are we all going Illinois? Let me make our picks. <laughs> uh,
2: Illinois? All right, so see, Illinois.
0: Are am going <laughs> Iowa? He is
2: wearing an orange shirt.
0: Yeah, the Illinois <laughs> <lineup. laughs> <laughs> Uh, are we all in agreement on this?
2: I think we're all in agreement that we're picking oh, Iowa. Nice.
0: We've got Iowa. Iowa winning. You've got them at five and one. I've got them at six and zero oh at this point. But the Michigan game is going to be tough. I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that. I can just say right now, I'm not going to cut to the. Ch- I'm picking Ohio State over Iowa. That's a bulletin board game for the Buckeyes because the last time they played Iowa was in Kinnick, uh, forty-two to what was it? I, I should remember the the score. Was it forty-two to seventeen? Forty-two twenty-four. I'm sorry. 42-20, uh, 42, no, 55-24. Damn, now I'm getting my scores confused. 55-24. Yeah. Okay, so Iowa's not going to win 55-24 to this year in Columbus. That may be the best team in college football this year. They're certainly one of the top three in talent. They were in 2017 as well, one of the better, more talented teams. Um, I mean, it'll be intriguing. If I was 6-0, and it's going to be an intriguing game. But to go on the road, I, I don't know anybody rational how anybody could possibly pick Iowa in that game maybe that means I'm a total hater but I think if you're you're Ryan Day if you're smart you you use that 2017 I don't care if there were guys on if, if nobody that's on the current roster was on that roster th- that doesn't matter you you bring it up as a source of pride playing for Ohio State and say look the last time we played these guys we got our pants pulled down 50 55 to 24 because that's what happened Noah it was a total total debacle
2: three pick sixes or something like that
0: no three picks for josh jackson and a pick six for Amani hooker
2: okay because i just remember multiple interceptions from that game
0: yeah so so i've got ohio state noah any way iowa wins this game
2: technically they have a chance but it's another one that i don't I don't have a good feeling
0: about it. I think your defense now, Ohio state's going to have athleticism that they, Iowa, they're going to face some of that against Michigan, but I think Ohio state's a notch above as far as talent, uh, skill position talent, um, especially at wide receiver, it's, you know, Marvin Harrison, Jr. And, um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're really good at, at, uh, at you know, it's with their skill position guys. And of course, CJ Stroud at quarterback. Um, but the Iowa defense, uh, I would think, could keep you in just about any game, Makai.
1: There's no way in heck that Iowa wins this game if their offense looks anything like it did last year.
0: Yeah, I, I agree because I don't know yeah, how you score. The points. defense
1: is good enough it could carry them through all these other, even the Michigan game. I picked Michigan. The defense is good enough; they might skate past Michigan, but they're not going to get past Ohio State if the offense is not.
0: Good enough. I agree. And and what you don't want is you don't want a situation like the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, the Big Ten Championship game was like vintage Iowa. It was like the epitome of Iowa 2021. Like the deep you remember that game? The defense held for the entire first half. It was like what, 14 to 3 at halftime or 17 to 3 at halftime, and they held and they held and held. And the offense couldn't do anything to help the cause. And so eventually, even in elite defense, breaks, right? Eventually you're gonna break. And I I have a bad I, I'm with you, Mikai. I think eventually I could see that Ohio State game as great as Ohio State's offense is I could see that being a you know a 21 to 7 game at halftime but if Iowa can't get any momentum offensively eventually it could turn into a you know a, a 35 to to 10 game. So I've got the hawk. I've got the the Buckeyes man I'm going opposite aren't I? I got the Buckeyes uh you guys have the Buckeyes um we move on to a game um versus a Northwestern team that boy looked darn good today against a Nebraska team that people thought um, had turned the corner, at least you know, off-season hype. I had predicted Northwestern was going to win, but Ryan Hill uh, Helinski looked really good. Um, they've got a better defensive line, that, that, at least against Nebraska, it produced a decent pass rush, and their offensive line looked really good. This is a tough one. I predicted Iowa last year that uh, Iowa was going to lose this game last year. Northwestern was not nearly as good as I thought they'd be last year, although they still. Played that game close against the Hawks. I've got Iowa. Yeah, I got Iowa winning at home, um, but we've also seen them lose at home to Northwestern. This is a 2 p.m. game. Noah? I'll take Iowa. Okay.
1: I'm going to pick Northwestern.
0: Really? How about that? I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, this is, like I say, I watched that game today, and I'm thinking, this is like the type of Northwestern team that, no, I don't think they're as good top to bottom as some of these teams that have won the division, but I do think this is a team that can beat a good team. not saying they're going to be able to knock off Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, uh, uh, several teams, but I mean.
2: They have can, the potential to right. beat one or two.
0: Yeah, maybe can I
2: more, just Can I just say?
1: This is going to sound so dumb. I think I'm going to get the record. Based on my assumption of the roster, I think I'm going to get the record right. Uh, I I have them. Well, I'm not going to spoil what my other picks are. But I think they're going to lose to one team I did not pick. And they're going to beat one team I did pick. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like that happens every year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happened. I didn't get any of the picks right last year. I, I mean, my three losses were all wins. That's that's odd, you know. But I should have known better than to to pick Iowa State over Iowa. I should have known better than to pick uh, Maryland over Iowa. Uh, let's move on to. Um, uh, well, well, we haven't gotten Noah's pick. Uh, did you have Iowa? Iowa. Okay.
2: I'm pretty sure you did ask me, but put it on the record.
0: At Purdue, uh, Iowa, boy, Purdue's had Iowa's number. They now have two of Iowa's receivers, and Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. I think there's some bad blood between these programs right now. You're on the road. That's going to be a fun one in West Lafayette. I've got, uh, I've got Purdue. To me, uh, it has to be proven. I, they got to prove it to me. Iowa has to prove that, uh, they're going to play Purdue differently. And yes, I know Purdue is, you know, lost David Bell, but they just reload. And I think Charlie Jones is better than Iowa fans think he is on offense. I think he's going to be a really solid, productive receiver for them. Um, they've got some other guys. Certainly, Tracy Thompson is going to be a guy um, who's probably going to play a lot. Um, I, I think they've got a shot at winning that game. I think they will win.
2: I am also going to take Purdue. And I think part of it is going to be the bad blood between the teams. With the players moving over to Purdue this year, wanting to prove a point to their previous team, it's definitely going to be like it's definitely going to be a good game.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a it's going to be a weird game, man. It's going to be. I've got I or I've got Purdue, man. A lot. <laughs> this is not a show, folks. I mean, it yeah. is a show. Man. You want
1: Oh, it's a show. It's just a, not the kind of show you were hoping for, is it?
0: It's not, it's, <laughs> no. We went into this and we told people, "Look, don't take us over. Don't take us." Um, Just remember, these are expert opinions. Right. <laughs> um, okay.
1: Um, I'm I'm going to pick Iowa over Purdue.
0: Okay. And Noah, who'd you say?
2: I said Purdue. Keep
1: I'm right, keeping track of all this down. still.
2: You keep track of this every year. I, I'm keeping track of this still.
0: Okay. Iowa, Wisconsin, and Iowa City. Blackout game, Uh, you know that's another opponent that Iowa just can't seem to figure out. Uh, They'll win that game here and there, but boy, here and there is not really here and there. They won in 2020 in a down year for Wisconsin during COVID. Prior to that, they hadn't beaten uh, Wisconsin, I don't believe, since 2000. uh, Let's see, 2009. Had they not won since 2009?
2: They played him in 2015,
0: and won. And uh, they won that. You're right. They won that game. That's right. In Madison, they
2: won, that. They won it in Madison. Wisconsin. Interesting.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That was the. Was that the ten, 10 to 16? Yeah.
2: Yeah, but you're right. Before that, it was 2009.
0: Yeah, that was the faith at Cacody fumble recovery game. Um. So, yeah, I mean, very few few and far between. Um, I'm going to go... Um, I'll go Iowa because I don't think Wisconsin's offense is going to be very good, either um, with the exception being Braylon Allen. And with Iowa, what Iowa has a linebacker and defensive line. I think they have the defense to stop Braylon Allen in that Wisconsin run game this year. And normally... Oftentimes, they still struggle to contain Wisconsin's run game. I think it's going to be better than it was last year. We know strength last year was creating turnovers. I think the strength will be more in the trenches this year on defense for Iowa. I think Iowa wins at home. No, I
2: will take Iowa.
0: Really? What do you
1: have them at right now, Noah? What are your picks? Um, do you have them at ten? Do you have them at? Well, I have them or...
2: currently, up to now, I have them losing three games. Michigan, Ohio State, and Purdue. Okay. I get the feeling, because they they usually have this one team that you expect them to lose to, that they beat. Can like we already.
0: all agree that this schedule is a gauntlet this year? It is.
2: Once you hit it's, October. It's a beast. Once this schedule turns over to October. Well, it's a gauntlet that also features Nevada.
0: Yeah, so I say, <laughs> September, you better use September. I'm serious. You better use September. That's in two months. Like, get ready. You better use it to get all the kinks out. Yeah. And you better darn well win every game in September, right? You you cannot afford you cannot afford to lose a game in September. Now, you can't afford it from a conference race standpoint if you lose one of your first three. I get that. But I'm just saying, if you're trying to get to nine wins, nine or ten wins, you, can, you better not lose a game in September.
2: Because as tough as the schedule is, you've got Michigan – Illinois, Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota. It's like most of those Nebraska games, is a decent team. The, the ones, the ones I feel like that they have the best chance of winning against are Illinois and Northwestern. Most of those other games, I yeah, I don't know. Like I pick them against Wisconsin, but it's going to be one of those. Low-scoring games. I'm gonna, I'm gonna plant my flag on that right now.
0: All right. Um, go. I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna pick Iowa for the dumbest reason you have ever heard. Um, the well, it's called the gambler's fallacy. Uh, if you don't know what that is, look it up. I'm not gonna go into it here, but uh, Iowa <laughs> is due to win. Okay. The last few years, Wisconsin has won too many games. So, (laughs) well,
0: that's listen. If we're going with that reasoning, then Iowa State's going to beat Iowa. That's true. (laughs) Minnesota Minnesota's going to beat Iowa. Nebraska's going to beat Iowa because those are three series that Iowa has owned. Now, speaking of Minnesota, Iowa goes on the road to Minnesota.
2: Did we all pick Iowa? To beat Wisconsin? We yes, did, didn't we? We did.
1: So I'll have to unofficially get Alex's picks on this
2: later <laughs> to add to the list. Yeah. So um, a little bit of series history because double check and make sure I got this right. Yeah, we're on to Minnesota. The um, last time Minnesota won was 2014, 51 to 14 in Minneapolis. Was that the down here
1: for Iowa? What did Iowa finish in 2014?
0: That was a down year. That was a seven and six year, I believe. Correct, Noah?
2: I can look it up. That
0: was Tax Slayer Bowl 20, 20 uh,
1: a Baseline year for Iowa is eight and four. But you don't
2: get yeah, eight that was, wins. That was a you don't get eight one. wins. It's a disappointing season. Seven and six. Four and four in conference.
0: Lost to Tennessee in the Tax Slayer Bowl gave over gave up over 50 points to tennessee in the tax layer bowl
2: not true they scored 45
0: oh 45 how about that
2: <laughs> not 50
0: all right um i've got a, i got minnesota folks um and it looks look hey, we're you're i'll i guess i'll talk about this in a moment but um Minnesota's uh you know you you return Tanner Morgan you return Moe Ibrahim who was coming off a a leg injury if he can stay healthy that's going to be a really good football team they lose some some up front but I think that's a a good football team and on the road Ohio State found out last year it's tough to play up there um they were able to get it done but I think Iowa kind of what you just said Micaiah it's it's tough to eventually the tide's going to turn and I think P.J. Fleck is a a good coach I mean the the guy has won a lot up there um road game in late November we could have snow uh, in that game up in Minneapolis
2: when you look at it last year Iowa won but it was a close game it was only a five point game 27-22 yeah.
0: shouldn't have won that game I actually all of Dan, Don Patterson's analytics uh, were in Minnesota's favor in that game and Iowa found a way to win the game so you're, you're right they should not have won the game it
2: was probably the defense they found a way
0: right Um.
2: so Corey picked Minnesota I think I'm going to side with Corey on this one. I think I'm going to pick Minnesota
0: in this game. Okay. We're all picking these games. Can we all agree that we're all all picking these games under the assumption that the offense is not going to be leaps and bounds better?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I expect roughly what we had. If if it is, look out.
0: If it is, bring on Alabama. Bring on Clemson. <laughs> no I don't think any, any of us think that's gonna happen okay um,
1: I'm gonna pick Iowa I just it's it's gonna be a tough game
0: well, they've owned the series they have owned the series well I'll tell you recently, what's gonna be
2: overbe- recently they have
0: yes. Recently,
2: because overall Minnesota has won more than Iowa.
0: Yeah, and I mean, again, I, I think Minnesota's got the talent. I think for the most part, Iowa's gotten—I shouldn't say fortunate. There is a knack in winning close games, but last year's a perfect example of that. That was a close game that they won. Twenty seventeen was a close game that they won against Minnesota. I didn't think Iowa played very well. It was fourteen to seven.
2: Uh, That was sixteen. Seventeen was seventeen to ten. Seventeen so. to
0: ten. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they have like, can you look up the, can you real quick? I know nobody else cares about this, but me. Can you look up the 2017 schedule? I believe Iowa had three different games, 17 to 10 that year. Why do I, why do I remember that? If I'm right on this.
1: Uh, It's not that hard to make an assumption. 17 to 10 is such an Iowa football score.
0: It is. (laughs) Nine to six is even more of an Iowa football score.
2: (laughs) Okay. So what were we looking for?
0: How many games, 17?
2: 10, How many games 10, finished 10. 10. 17 to 10? Okay. Um, either way or just Iowa winning. Either shout way. Out, yeah. Shout out to uh, Iowa versus Iowa State 44 to 41 in no. the same season. Um, let's see. Lost by two to Penn State. Uh, Michigan State 17 to 10. That was on the 30th of September. They lost that game.
0: I believe that was the game where you found the moldy pizza. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go ahead. Um, the following week, destroyed Illinois forty-five to sixteen. Then uh-huh. at Northwestern, seventeen to ten, lost. <laughs> and then home versus Minnesota. The following week, uh, there was a bye week between Illinois and Northwestern. They <laughs> at home. They beat Minnesota seventeen to ten. So there were
0: three. <laughs> there were three. <laughs> yes,
2: there were three. <laughs> Almost back to back. If not for oh. Illinois, it would have been back to back.
0: I feel very accomplished. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel very accomplished.
2: And then, of course, we uh, round out the regular season nicely with a fifty-six to fourteen win over Nebraska. Is that the game we were at? No,
0: no, that so, was uh, uh, the Nebraska uh, game. Uh, you guys went to the twenty sixteen Nebraska was it 16? game. Sixteen? Yeah, I
2: remember the score. So I, can, I just remember promising. being forced afterwards. It was twenty sixteen. They won forty to ten. 40 I didn't have a voice the next day. Oh,
0: man. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a that was a cold cold game too.
2: It, it was great though.
0: Late in the year, that was a great game. Um. Okay, so I do want to uh, move on to that final Nebraska game because, as you well know, um, that will be a game where uh, Iowa was going to have to. Uh, it might be Scott Frost's last game as a, as the Huskers head coach, because I don't know if they're going to fire him mid season. But, boy, unless he turns – finds uh, – what what's the expression? Um, finds lightning in a bottle. I, I don't know how he keeps his job. I think that Northwestern game today was that, – that, that was it. I mean, he had to win that game. That's been the game people have been talking about all offseason. The one conference game they won last year, and now they lose to that team to start 2022. I think he's done. So that may be just, you know, pedal to the metal, hold nothing back uh, type of game uh, against the Hawkeyes, and it is in Lincoln. No, excuse me, it's at home. I'm sorry, it's at home. That's a that's a that's a positive. Um, I've got Iowa winning the game. Um, I don't have any reason to think it won't be close, but I got the Hawks winning. Makaya, I have
1: Iowa winning. I think I've picked Iowa to beat. Now you don't have the records going back that far. I know that. But I think I picked Iowa to beat Nebraska every single year we've done this show. Do you want me to save every year? Yes. (laughs) Records. I use basketball reference, pro football reference, college football reference. You are the Micaiah football reference.
2: (laughs) The Hawkeye football reference for this group.
0: So who would you pick? I
2: I only have last year's records. I don't have before that. Who did you pick? I'm going to pick Iowa.
0: Okay,
1: I pick Iowa. I I never pick Nebraska over Iowa. I just don't. Well, to be fair, that that has, there are worked, worse teams
2: that, that, that has I worked will in pick your over favor.
1: Iowa. I would never picked Nebraska over Iowa. That has worked in
2: your favor for seven years. So.
0: So final records. Um, I've got Iowa at nine and three. Now the question is, and we can look at your guys' records. You have no, I believe you have them at eight and four. Mm-hmm. And Macaya's got him at an eight and four, correct?
1: Nine and three, nine and three.
0: You got him at nine and three. Okay, so
1: yeah, I have him beating Wisconsin and Minnesota.
0: Okay, so um, let me say this: nine and three is going to be if if it's nine and three that I'm predicting. It includes a loss versus Purdue, a loss okay. versus Ohio State. The Ohio State loss does not hurt you. It does hurt you in the Big Ten race, but it does not hurt you. It's not a double whammy like losing to a West opponent, right? right? So you lose to Ohio State. I've got losing to Purdue and losing to to Minnesota. I I think the four clear contenders, especially with Nebraska bowing out, I saw Kirk Herbstreet had predicted that Nebraska was going to win the West. I don't know where he's getting that. I get that they've had talent, but boy, you got to prove it on the field. And certainly I think they proved that they're not ready to take that step. So uh, I think the four contenders are clearly Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota and Purdue. Now, if you want to pull this up, Noah, you certainly can, but I'll just tell you, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all have difficult schedules. Their are crossover games. They get two crossover opponents in the East. As you know, you have three total. Each team plays six within the divisions uh, within their respective division. And then three games out of the division. And all three of those teams drew two of three crossover opponents from the East Um, out of the contender group, if you will. We're talking Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan. Purdue, they're the one exception. So Purdue, let me just real quickly, because we don't have time to run through everybody's schedules. But if you look at Purdue's schedule, Purdue plays Penn State Thursday. All right, so that's the first Big Ten game of week one. It's a huge game. You beat Penn State. That's their one real difficult crossover game. They get um, Wisconsin on the road, uh, but uh, again, you're going to get uh, you're going to get uh, you know you're going to get Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. But their crossover opponents are Maryland on the road, uh, again Penn State at home, and Indiana on the road. Purdue is let me say this, make this very clear. If Purdue beats Penn state this coming Thursday, they are the favorites to win the big 10 West. They are the favorites. The schedule is much more doable. They get Iowa at home. They get, uh, they do have to play Minnesota and Wisconsin on the road, but again, so does everybody else. Plus you get two crossover games for these other three opponents.
2: And you also get Penn state at home too.
0: You get Penn state at home. Um, so this game on Thursday is massive. I don't think people are going to understand that. Like Iowa fans who don't follow it enough, don't really realize how, how big this game is in like four days. It's huge. Uh, And it's weird that we're getting a big 10 game in literally the first day of September, but that that's just how it is. You look at uh, Minnesota, they do go on the road to play Michigan state and they go on the road to play, uh, Penn State, those are two um, extremely difficult games. They get Rutgers at home, but again, two of the three crossover opponents are against what I would consider consider the top tier of the Big Ten conference. If you want to group those four teams together, Wisconsin, of course, they get uh, Michigan State on the road as well. They get Maryland at home, and they get Ohio State on the road. So, I mean, I was not alone in having these difficult games, Noah. But Purdue clearly is, in my opinion, the favorite if they win Thursday. So with that being said, my prediction is that Purdue will win the West. Um, I'll give my final predictions maybe in a segment later on this week on the channel as far as just conference predictions for everybody. But I've got Purdue winning the West. Iowa, of course, losing Purdue, losing to Purdue, it does not bode well because they've got the most favorable schedule. You lose that game to Purdue, you almost got no chance. Of, you know, unless Purdue does not pan out, I, I think that's they're the favorite
2: and you also have them losing to Minnesota which again would that's not going to help either.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, preferably if you want if you get three Big 10 losses, you you'd prefer them be against Michigan, uh Ohio State and Rutgers. Right? Those would be the three losses you'd prefer yeah. cuz guess what? You're going to win the you're, you're well, I shouldn't say you're going to win the West. Uh, you're gonna have a decent shot of winning the West at six and three, I think, with your three if your three losses are to, are to uh, East opponents.
2: If you're beating the other top of the West teams, yeah.
0: not a guarantee. got an advantage. Not a if. guarantee. If if those two teams, you know, those teams have tough crossover games. Okay. If this
1: if this team is a little bit better on offense, and their only losses are to Michigan and Ohio State, then they're ten and two again then they could certainly win the West, but that's a tall, tall order on the schedule.
0: I agree. I mean, look those are two games you can you can perfectly
1: expect to lose. Like those are acceptable acceptable losses.
0: If Aiden O'Connell goes down for Purdue at quarterback, then it changes everything. I mean it's not like there's this huge gap between Purdue and everybody else. That's not what I'm implying. If Aiden O'Connell goes down Yeah, it's a schedule, and it is personnel, because I think Aiden O'Connell is the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten Conference um, behind C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. But it it does change everything. If Braylon Allen at Wisconsin goes down, I think it changes a lot. Now, they've got a defense to fall back on, but he is uh, really the only thing you can count on, I think, in that offense. And then similarly at Minnesota, if they lose Moe Ibrahim again, boy, they don't have the depth at running back they had last year to be able to deal with that. And as you know, Noah, sometimes these knee injuries – they can they can happen they can reoccur right they just yeah. that's just what happens sometimes with knees you don't want that for Mo ibrahim i think he's a pro um but the injuries are a part of the game so i've got iowa losing three games and uh missing out on the uh, west championship
2: keep going i, I can ask later
0: I, i'm done i mean anything uh, noah you have uh them winning the west at no you don't have them winning the west at eight no not even eight eight and four, four
2: with losses to uh Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue, and
0: Minnesota—all Big Ten teams. Uh, Makai, um, do you have them winning at nine and three? Your, your three losses are to who?
1: Um, Michigan, Ohio, Ohio is Michigan, Ohio State. State, Ohio State, Northwestern.
0: Yep. Well, if if that if that happens, they might they might win it at nine and three. See, that's a perfect example. They they've beaten every other contender. They've beaten every contender, so they 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 have a better chance of winning the West in the, the if, if that pans out than than my scenario. Yeah,
1: I think. I think it's uh, in my scenario is about fifty fifty, with a nine and, with a nine and three, if things go the way that I predicted, I think it's about a fifty fifty.
0: I think the winner of the West will likely be ten and two, um, or excuse me, I, I shouldn't say that. the winner of the West will likely be seven and two, but I could see it be you know them being six and three. Whereas a normal year, I, I would probably say, oh, the winner of the West is more likely to be. Uh, either eight and one or seven and two. I, I don't know what you know history shows. I, I guess I could look back at that. Iowa, of course, was seven and two last year. I won the West, but um, yeah, that's all for me. Anything you guys got to add to the uh, discussion?
2: I'm. I think I'm good. Forty minutes past our one hour cutoff. Well, point.
0: I determined. I determined this about forty five minutes ago. We're going to split this into two. Huh. So I'll split it up. We'll split up into two It'll segments. Be like
1: the depth chart and then the schedule. Will be the two different pieces.
0: Yeah, so if people are watching, uh, they've already figured that part out. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be splitting this uh, this long segment into two. So appreciate you two uh, guys um, jumping on. I do, say,
1: I do just want to say one one thing real quick. I noticed sure. just at the schedule. I had I have Iowa going four and O in September, one and three in October, and four and O in November.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's honestly that's kind of an Iowa thing to do. <laughs> like doesn't that what did they especially, do last year
2: especially if you look at wait that's what they did last oct- year they, October is
0: what was last year did, did they go um, uh, they, two they won out
2: they won out in September
0: yep they won Maybe won out in November
2: so yeah they split October and then they okay, had to we'll have, they were 10-2 and two.
1: they had to have won out in November
2: yeah So yeah, that's what they did last year.
0: So they were they were uh, so there was four in September, four in October, four in November.
2: As far as I can tell yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the Iowa thing to do, Mikail. Now with that being said, I would I still think, uh, well, I know I, you're right, they could lose to Michigan and Ohio State. H- here's the problem, and I'll just say this one more one more thing to add here. The, the, the problem scenario comes up where they lose to Michigan and Ohio State in October, uh, uh, Micaiah. And even though you're predicting that they're going to win every other game, I don't think any of us are going to be feeling very good. If they lose both of those games, which is very possible, if they lose both those games to Michigan and Ohio State, I think all of us going to be like, uh, we're going to have a hard time not being 8-4. and four.
2: Especially yeah. also if we continue on Micaiah's scenario here and they lose again in the next week to northwestern?
0: northwestern oh if that happens it's panic it's a full-on panic mode because are you telling me now Mackay is predicting it but i, I don't know I, I don't think most people are going to predict that they're going to after doing that you know win against minnesota purdue wisconsin that that's just a, a tough the, ask
2: the only thing you can say at that point if they turn it around after they're losing especially back to back to Ohio state and Northwestern. I think the only thing you could say at that point is that they pulled the team together and it's like, all right, we got to turn this around. We got to turn this around now or this season's falling apart. But well, I, I just, sense. I make picks
1: of my gut. Okay. Like my gut says this. So that's what I picked. Uh, this is, I don't, I'm not very familiar with the rosters of these teams. So
0: 2020, they started off 0 and 2, and it looked like the wheels were coming off. They had the off-season racial discrimination stuff that was certainly a distraction, and they were 0 and 2 to start the season, and they ended up winning six straight. Now it was a COVID year, and other teams were down and dealing with problems. But I guess the point is, the wheels could have come off, and Kirk did rally the guys. So um, let's hope that doesn't happen. I think if you can split the Michigan and Ohio State games and take care of September. You at least set yourself up to be competitive for the West division. I just, you know, it, now if the, we, if the offense somehow is top 70, top 80. Okay. Now I could see them. I could see them at that point figuring out a way. To, I still don't think it's a shoe in to get to 10. And, the schedule is just too tough. I mean, I'm listen, I'm predicting nine and three. I could see seven and five. I mean, I, I don't want to see it, and I don't want to see it. I could squint. I, I don't either. I could squint and see six and six. I'm not. I I think the defense is too good that it, I, it, you know, I think it will the defense carry. will
2: keep them in a lot of games this
0: year. Yeah, and I think they're too good at winning close games. I think the program is just built on that, and and so. But I'm just saying, Michigan, Ohio State. Let's just see how many reasonable potential losses there are on the schedule. Is, we'll, we'll assume that Northwest even though Makai is predicting them to lose Northwestern, let's assume that they're not going to lose to Northwestern, Nebraska, Illinois, or Iowa State, or, or Rutgers. So the, the reasonable losses, you know, would be Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Ohio State, Michigan. There's four. Purdue, five. So you got you could call five very very possible losses, plus all those ones that we're just assuming they're going to win. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, a tough stretch and, and you're right. It's, it's all about October and all about November. All right, folks, appreciate you everybody being here. And if you thought uh, you were going to get a deeper, I thought we did pretty good. I thought you guys, uh, you guys really applied the, uh, the, the, uh, um, what do you call it? The, uh, advice from our our dear listener, Ken, um, <laughs> last year, uh, we will not strike won't, out this uh, time. What's that? My, you want Makai to read it?
1: Uh, you want me to read, you want me to actually read this? Sure. Go ahead. The guy in the top right is a great voice and setup guy. The bald guy, he throws softballs to <laughs> and keeps striking out. And
0: just for the record, I, I am not showing this to try to compliment myself on him saying I'm a great setup guy. Uh, I really do find intense uh, an intense degree of humor in that tweet. I, I just or excuse me that comment. I, I just I take great joy in it. Um we look forward to uh, uh you know I'm assuming we're gonna <sighs> just the thought of eating a lot of little Debbie junk right now There's <laughs> not the me at all. But it's the reality- nostalgia. The reality is, when we get together to watch football games, usually we're not eating celery and carrots. <laughs> <It's>,
1: no, <laughs> no, it's it's the it's the usually we went to the not. dollar store and here this is what I got for snacks. Hands you a plastic tub.
0: I will say <laughs> this: I don't want you to think that. I, I don't want you to think it. You remember? Was it last year that I fixed that chicken?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. The I think that was last
0: year. I found another one.
1: <laughs> I found it, tell me it I'm hasn't not, been in the freezer since last year.
0: Uh, no comment. <laughs> Listen, it was in the deep freezer, and it's a whole chicken. So I'm gonna we'll 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 uh, bring that out in September. If we
1: If we keep hanging out for these, if we we especially if we do it as much as we did last year, I gotta make cheeseburgers. Well,
0: I told I told Noah I said, do you have a George Foreman? I got a grill. I will bring my George Foreman to Marshalltown.
2: I, he said he'd rather use the griddle. The griddle would make him a oh, little bit. Oh, well,
0: yeah. If you can, if, if the, it's it won't be as lean.
2: It it'll be literally. Easier. It sits on the countertop and you plug it in.
0: I'm glad we got this on the podcast so everybody. Can
2: yeah, yeah, this is a no. This is tailgating. <laughs> this is the tailgating part of the podcast.
0: Just so you guys know, and and I, as you know, I've got the hatchback. Uh, one of my vehicles is a hatchback. We watched last year Iowa Big Ten baseball. A um, friend of mine came over. We watched it in the back of the hatchback. We had brought the TV out in the back of the hatchback. It was awesome, man.
2: You actually did tailgate for yes. the hatchback.
0: It was fantastic. Uh, it was great. We enjoyed it. It was a beautiful evening. And uh So anyways. All right, folks. We're going to wrap this thing up. Stay tuned right here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. All week long, all season long, intense breakdown. We'll have Coach Don Patterson on the show. Later this week, we'll have post-game Coverage. After Iowa. What's yeah. that?
1: Don it, Patterson's an actual expert.
0: Don Patterson, the actual expert. <laughs> we'll have him on twice this week, including the post game show after uh, the game against South Dakota State this Saturday. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, including the post game show with Coach Don Patterson, great opportunity to grow your business. Reach out to me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. That's from the eye of the storm at Outlook.com. We'll talk to you soon.